today we get to kick off a new series. Don't worry, I'm not about to talk about sex to you guys. I don't need to do that. Mark got that out of the way. Thank you, Mark. But we get to kick off a brand new series called Seeking Faith. And I'm going to give you guys a heads up. This first week will take a lot of information because it's going to lead us on for, forward for the next few weeks, okay? So I love that Ever talked about this verse because we're going to jump straight into the word because we want to ask the question, who do we say that Jesus is? But we want to find where the word asks that question for us. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump straight into Matthew 16 real quick. And in Matthew 16, um, verses 13 through 16. And it says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his, his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus asked them, but you, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So we're getting the question of who do you say that Jesus is right there, right from Matthew 16. And we're going to be in Matthew 16 the next three weeks. So please get excited. We're going to read that verse over and over and over and over and over again until you basically have it memorized in your head. I'm very excited for it. I hope you guys are too. But we're kicking off with that question. But guess what? We get to double dip into questions. I love double dipping. If you've never been to a Mexican restaurant with me, if you think that's disgusting, just don't come. I like me some queso. Okay, I'll take that for myself. But we are going to also be diving into a book that's not in the Bible. There's this book called Mere Christianity. It's written by this awesome man named C.S. Lewis. If you don't know who C.S. Lewis is, guess what? I'm about to be your darn Wikipedia for it. You ready for this? C.S. Lewis grew up in the church. When he was a teenager, he became an atheist. He was like, there's too much evil in this world. I don't believe that there could be a God, right? He became an atheist. He went on and attended Oxford University. Oxford University, he went there to study writing, theology, and all these different things. And while he was there, he was enrolled into World War I fighting in the British Army. C.S. Lewis got injured and went back to Oxford, finished out with flying colors, and at that time, he decided to stay at Oxford and become a tutor, a teacher, and a writer. While he was there, he came to know Jesus, not only in the stuff that he studied, but in his each and every day life, studying and studying and studying and writing about who this guy Jesus is, right? And here's something that maybe some of you guys are like, if you're bookworms, I hope you like it. If you don't, it's okay. He was part of this crew called the Inklings. Everybody say Inklings. Isn't that a fun word to say? I think it is so much fun to say, but he was part of this crew called the Inklings. It was full of Charles Williams, Owen Barfield, and your very own J.R.R. Tolkien. If you don't know who that is, he wrote the epic of the Lord of the Rings. C.S. Lewis actually helped him do that, which is awesome. But C.S. Lewis wrote a lot of books. If you don't know, he wrote Narnia. He wrote this book, Mere Christianity, and so much more. But we are going to dive into a quote from this book, Mere Christianity, and it brings up this question that we're going to be asking over these next few weeks. I'm going to read the really wordy question, and I'm going to dumb it down for us because it's a lot easier when it's like six words instead of a million words, okay? Sound good? Love it. So stay with me here. It's a lot. This is called the trilemma from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. He says this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, as in Jesus. They say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. 
That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and and I'm either this man was and is the son of God, or is he a, or he is a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You could spit at him and call him a demon, or you could fall at his feet and call him the Lord and God. So that's a lot. That's a lot of weird words. But to summarize that real quick, he's mentioning this question. He's mentioning this, and we're going to dive into it a lot these upcoming weeks. He's asking the question, was Jesus a liar, a lunatic, or Lord? He puts those three different things out there. Some people add the word legend into there too. We're going to talk about legend as well today to incorporate it with liar. But he asked the question, was Jesus a liar, lunatic, or Lord? And that's a question that we get to answer ourselves as Christians. The question, who do you say that Jesus is? One of those is an option and is the true option. And the other ones are what people, what skeptics often claim to be Jesus. People claim that Jesus was a liar. People claim that he was a lunatic. People claim that he didn't even exist, that he was just a legend. But us as Christians, we get to claim and know and have faith that he is Lord. Now, I'm absolutely excited to be studying this with you guys, and I know it's a lot. But the two questions that we're going to double dip into together for the next three weeks is who do you say that Jesus is, and was Jesus a liar, a lunatic, or Lord? Today we're going to jump into the, was Jesus a liar question. We're going to take it on, each week we're going to take on a different part, but today is, was Jesus a liar? Now, I said we're in Matthew, I said we're in mere Christianity, but if you want to know exactly where I'm going to be each and every week, you open up your Bible to John 8, because we will be in that chapter every single time. John 8 is full of I am statements. In fact, the whole book of John is full of I am statements. It is separated from the other gospels. Do you understand that? All the other gospels are actually called synoptic gospels. Everybody say it's synoptic gospels. The reason they're called that is because they are written in a sense of the sequence. People compare those books together, but the book of John is so different. The book of John, the best way to put it is people call it the I am book. This book is full of Jesus saying who he is and why he is here. And we're going to go through nine easy, amazing verses just to dive into the question of, was this guy, Jesus, a liar? Was this man who proclaimed he is Lord a liar about his proclaiming? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump straight into it. And we're going to read John 8, 21 through 29 together. And we're just going to break it down one by one. It says this, then he said to them again, I'm going away and you will look for me. You will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, he won't kill himself, will he? Since he says, where are you going? I cannot come. You are from below, he told them, this is Jesus, and I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Let's pause right there, real quick. Quick four verses right there. Jesus is literally predicting his own departure right in front of us. He's saying this to his skeptics, the people who are asking, who are you? And he's predicting his own departure and showing who he is by saying, I am not of this world. 
but I am from God. He's predicting all these amazing things, and people still tend to ask the question, even at that time, who are you? Who do you say that you are? Are you telling us the truth? But here's something that's amazing. If you read the Old Testament, I love this. This is something that like hit me like two nights ago, and I was so happy about it. You see that in the Old Testament, it tells us that the Messiah can do three miracles that nobody else can do. Nobody else with the power of the Holy Spirit can do, only the Messiah can do. And if you look, Jesus did it before this conversation. Before this conversation happened, he healed the blind. If you were born blind, you could only be saved by the Messiah. You could only be healed by the Messiah. You read that in the Old Testament. A second one is only the Messiah can heal the leper. He went on and healed the leper right here, right before And this is one of my favorites. Here we go. I actually, we talked about this last night in our young adult ministry. Jesus, the Messiah, is the only one who can cast out a mute and deaf demon. So you see, Jesus is performing all these darn miracles right before these skeptics, these Jews are coming up to him, asking him all these questions, and they still do not believe that what he's saying is true. He's showing in his actions and in his words that he is, in fact, the son of God. So we're going to keep on going. I love this. Verse 25, they ask, who are you? Jesus says, exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. And I have heard from him. These things I tell the world. They did not know what he was speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know I am he. And I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. If you don't understand what I just read, once again, he's predicting his own departure. He's proclaiming that he is the son of God, that he is not of this world. And you actually get to read in verse 27. This is amazing. I love hearing this. So Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, you will know that I am he. If you fast forward in the word, you understand that when Jesus was crucified on the cross, the soldiers stood there and said, surely this is the son of God. Right there. He says it right here way before. And he says, you will know that I am he when you put me up on that cross. He did not lie. He was telling the truth. And I love the question of if Jesus was a liar, then what? Then what? If this guy, Jesus, was lying, if all these I am statements weren't true, then what? It's amazing. I I like putting it into my own perspective sometimes. And I want you guys to think about it real quick in this way. Think about you had all the power in the world. You had this huge following. Would you take it and take that for your own personal power? Or would you give that power up to God? Be honest with yourself. Don't tell me. Think about it to yourself. Are you going to be selfish or selfless with your actions? Jesus was, in fact, selfless because he was not lying. In fact, if you claim that he was a liar, if you're sitting here right now saying that he was a liar, you can also say that he was a hypocrite. He walked around telling people not to lie. He walked around telling people not to do certain things. And if he was, in fact, lying, he would be a hypocrite himself. So what if Jesus was a liar? He absolutely was not. Instead, he modeled a servant heart and a loving lifestyle for each and every one of us. 
He lived a perfect life, did these all, all these amazing things and modeled what life should be like as a Christian, as a follower of God. So awesome. I love this question up here. Why die for a lie? That's the next question. If Jesus was a liar, then why die for a lie? Why would he die for a lie? Why would he knowingly bring thousands and millions to later die for a lie? If you don't know right now, people are still dying for the fact that they believe in Jesus, that they have faith in Jesus. So why die for a lie? This guy, um, we're going to call him Mr. Pelican because I can't pronounce his first name. It's too difficult. I've asked so many people and they all pronounce it differently, so I'm not going to trust it. But he is a professor at Yale University And he says it like this, because he's asked the question, what if Jesus was a liar? What if this whole thing, what if this Bible right here is just a lie and it's just a legend and it's not real? He says it like this. It is from his birth that most of the human race dates its calendars. It is by his name that millions curse, and it is in his name that millions pray. You see, the world knows that Jesus existed. I'm going to put it there and easy. You even see that it's B.C., A.D., before Christ, after death. That's still a thing. The world still follows that. We say the pledge, and we are saying one nation under God. If Jesus didn't exist, if this was a lie, then we have based our entire life off of a lie. I know that's wild, and I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. If this was, in fact, a lie, then we're doing nothing right. But we get the opportunity to believe that this is true. And let me say something to you guys right now. Belief is different than faith. Belief is so much different than faith. I can believe that this stage will hold me. But I definitely have faith because I'm still standing on the stage, right? Belief is different than faith because faith is belief in action. You should know who your Lord is. We're going to ask that question in a second. Who do you say that Jesus is by what your actions are like? If you say he is your Lord, we should see it in your faith and in your walk. So this past weekend, I got to spend a lot of time at the Cypress campus. We had an awesome little retreat for our students up there. It was a blast. I hung out with about 10 junior guys. And we did a lot of things. We had Oreo eating contests. I actually lost, which was a bummer. Um, We wrapped houses. We had a lot of fun. But we had these large sessions and these small group sessions, and there was a common question the entire time. And I love that it coincided with what we're talking about here in the Sienna Hub, which is awesome to me. The question of, who is your Lord? They asked the students that, and the awesome and wild part to me is, be, is the fact that nobody had a full answer to who is your Lord because they had realized that they aren't treating Jesus like their very own Lord. I'm going to put out some stats real quick before we keep on going. Did you know the average teenager spends nine hours on their phone or on a screen every day? Nine hours. I I still think that's insane. Did you know the average student spends about eight hours a day at school? The average student spends about two to three hours doing extracurricular activities. The average student plays video games for about four hours a day. Teenager, I'm saying teenager as in student, by the way. I want to ask you guys right now, Do you think doing all those things at that time, spending nine hours, eight hours, six hours, however long on your phone, 
Is that treating your phone like your Lord or is that you treating God like your Lord? If you're willing to be on technology, I, I know half of y'all couldn't even last this entire time without being on your phone. If you're willing to hop on your phone at least 20 times in an hour, how willing are you to treat Jesus like your Lord and get to know him at least for five minutes a day? If he is your Lord, you should show that in your faith and in your walk. So who do you say that Jesus is? You say that he is Lord, treat him like your Lord. He doesn't want to be on the bench in your life. He wants to be playing. He wants to be with you. He wants to be first chair, not 10th chair. He wants to be with you side by side, but you got to treat him like he is your Lord. But once again, it requires faith. It requires knowing that this, in fact, is not a lie. These I am statements of Jesus saying, I am the son of God. I am from above. I am the Messiah. I am who I am. You have to know that that is true. You have to believe. You have to walk in knowing that that is true. I could stand here on stage. Mark can stand up here on stage and tell you that Jesus is our Messiah. Jesus is my Messiah. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is who he says he is to me, but that does not change who he says he is to you. Because it is not my faith. It is not Mark's faith. It is not your parents' faith. It is not your leader's faith. It is not your teacher's faith that decides how you get to heaven. It is your very own faith and your very own answer to the question of who do you say that Jesus is? And I'm going to say that question so much, so please get used to it. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? We're going to keep on going because I want you guys to go home and not just set this aside. I don't want you thinking about Jesus just on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night. I want you to treat him like your Lord if he, in fact, is your Lord. And if he's not, we can talk about it. I love that. I love having the opportunity to talk about that with you guys. But who is this Messiah to you? Who is this supposed to be Son of God to you? It's your own faith. It's not ours. I, I love pointing that out because oftentimes as a teenager, I had a friend who graduated high school with me who went to the hub at Cypress campus with me and he went to college and realized it wasn't even his faith. He realized when he walked onto campus that he didn't even have a relationship with Christ. He just went through the motions of the idea of Wednesday nights, retreats, rush week, um, preteen camp, all these different things. He went to those thinking he knew who God was but never put the effort in to know who he is. It's your own job to answer the question, who do you say that Jesus is? We're here to help. I, I love the question, who do you say that Jesus is? Because I know my answer. I know he is my Messiah. And I pray that you guys know that as well one day. If not now, soon. So I like to finish how I started and we're not done, so don't worry about it. But I love this passage, Matthew 16, and I just want to reread this real quick because I love how important it is from 15 to 16. It says, but you, Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Let me say that again. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He answered that in full confidence. 
he didn't sit there and proclaim what the world said he was as John the Baptist, Elijah, or Jeremiah, or other prophets. He said that he is the Messiah in fact. He is the son of God, the living God. The God who's the same today and forever. We have the opportunity to do the same. So the reason of this being called seeking faith is because we ask you guys to seek your own faith. Chase Jesus yourself. He's there. He's waiting. He's like, come on. I'm here. I'm ready. I like to think of it in a funny way of I love golden retrievers. I don't know if you know that. I, I think I have golden retriever loving vibes. If not, I understand. But my grandma has this dog, Winnie. She's like my best friend, okay? She's adorable. She's wonderful. She's a little golden retriever. And we always go play fetch together. And last time I brought a boomerang and she got really angry. But I threw a tennis ball. I love throwing tennis balls with her. And I love just getting on my knees and just waiting for her to run back to me. I love doing that. And Jesus, God, is sitting right there waiting for you to run to him. It's an easy little, like, it's like a, Jesus, I'm here. I love you. This is awesome, right? It's not like a, you're sprinting forever. You're like, take a step. He's there. He's waiting. All you have to do is take that step to get to him. Um, this guy named St. Augustine, I love him. He says it like this. To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek him is the greatest adventure. And to find him, that is the greatest human achievement. Know your God. Get to know your God. If you have the question, if you're a skeptic of the idea of what if Jesus was a liar? What if Jesus was a lunatic? If, what if Jesus was the Lord? Stick around. We're going to be talking about that all the time next week. Going to give you a heads up. It's going to get weird. Oh, the idea of Jesus being a lunatic is so exciting to me because I love defending it. So come back. I'm excited to talk to you guys about it. But this is not a Wednesday night thing. This is an everyday thing. Ask the question to yourself, who do you say that Jesus is? If you proclaim as Lord, show him. Show him in your actions. Show him in your thoughts. When you're alone in your room, when you're walking through the halls, whenever what you're doing, let that glorify the Lord. And if you don't know him and you want to know him, come reach out to one of us. We're here as leaders, and that, that's the reason we're here, to help glorify the Lord in our actions to be with you guys. Who do you say that Jesus is? It's your own answer. So if you will bow your heads with me. God, we know you by a thousand names. I love that we sang that song because it's so true. You are referred to as our Savior, our God, our Messiah, and God, I pray that these students who come, they aren't here just going through the motions, enjoying time with each other, but God, they're here to study and get to know you more. God, I pray for the students in this room who actually ask the question, who is this Jesus? God, I pray that they feel the courage and the comfort in knowing that they could go talk to somebody about it. In fact, they could talk to you about it. They could find the answer in your word. God, we thank you for coming and living a perfect and wonderful life. And God, I pray that you reveal that beyond all understanding love to our students today. God, I pray when we step into this time of worship that we praise you for who you are. You see, 
Faith is belief in action. God, I pray that these students praise you in faith, in action, showing you that they love you. God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to praise you. And thank you for being our Messiah, our Savior, and our Lord. In your heavenly name we pray.